What's up, everyone? Welcome to my corner of the internet. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce, presented by Ping Pong Payments, the leading global payments provider helping sellers keep more of their hard-earned money. Happy Friday, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Crossover Commerce presented by Ping Pong Payments. This is episode 134 of Crossover Commerce. I'm your host, Ryan Kramer, and this is my corner of the internet where I bring the best and brightest of the Amazon and e-commerce industry to help get some knowledge and to help you level up your knowledge of the Amazon and e-commerce space, apply it to your business model, and hopefully moving forward and helping you grow. We're growth partners. Therefore, that's what all this podcast is about, is growing your business to move forward. Uh, that being said, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments, now helping over a million customers worldwide and transferring over $150 million every single day to a total, grand total of more than $90 billion. Overall, uh, Ping Pong Payments is now helping and being a growth partner to e-commerce and Amazon sellers worldwide, helping you pay out your VAs, your manufacturers, your suppliers, and even your employees worldwide and receiving in different currencies. No longer a problem with ping pong. Go ahead and sign up today in that click in that link and click it below. It's going to be fantastic. So go ahead and sign up for free and start saving money and put it to our bottom line today. And speaking of money, that is what we're going to be talking about today, financing and just funds in general. Lots of people know that being an entrepreneur is expensive most of the time. And the fact you can kind of go back to the good old days of taking out a loan and applying it to either retail uh, or storefronts or just in general goods. But we're going to be talking about applying capital to your Amazon business or your e-commerce business and helping that growth to spur further growth uh, down the road. And that's what we're going to be talking about, of course, today. So let, without further ado, of course, on this Friday, we're keeping it casual, but we're going to be talking about finances. Hopefully, you're getting paid, hopefully, maybe today. Uh, but that being said, it's payday every day for him uh, and his team over there at Payability. Jacob Schwartz from Payability. Jacob, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Uh, and where are you not calling from? Where are you coming from us today? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good, Ryan. Very nice to see you. Um, I am out of Astoria, New York. Um, born, born and bred New Yorker. I've been here for uh, for my entire life. And um, actually, actually, my last week here in Astoria, we'll be making a move over to to Brooklyn, Greenpoint uh, next week. So, um, really? in the process of uh, you know one of those those hefty moves. And um, yeah, it's been good. It's been a great experience. Um, Astoria is is one of the melting pots of uh, of New York and food culture it is um it was an overall great great experience and i am i'm very happy to be here on, a, on this gorgeous friday afternoon here in, in new york so um how is how is the, the weather over there in uh, indianapolis yeah so indianapolis uh for those of for the listener who is listening to this uh indianapolis is in the midwest if you're not familiar with the united states it is a humid melting pot it feels like if you walked into a sauna and then if you open the door and you stat in there for about five minutes, it feels like that constantly. It's a wet blanket when you walk outside. So the Midwest is just weird melting pot of all sorts of uh, humidity, heat. It's also cold and we have like 18,000 different seasons. So next week it could snow for all I know. I'm not really sure. So, uh, but yeah, it, it's pretty hot and humid today. Uh, now that we got, <laughs> it's it's always weather, but yeah, working inside, it's always a blessing to have uh, air, air conditioning for sure. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's cool. So uh, you're moving to Brooklyn. 
I don't know like the distance wise in terms of that, but why, why move to Brooklyn is just a uh, more opportunity there. What or company made you do it? What, what was one of those things? <laughs> yeah, great question. Um, so, I mean, Brooklyn has just always been an attractive borough for, for myself, specifically North Brooklyn, um, Williamsburg, Greenpoint is, uh, it's a young hip happening area. And, um, I'm going to live about two, two blocks away from McCarran park, which is, uh, one of, one of the big parks in, in Brooklyn. So, um, to have that asset by me and uh, be able to have a little bit, a little bit of a different culture, younger culture. Um, that's what I'm excited about the bars, nice, the, the nightlife. And uh, that's really what Brooklyn brings to the table. Yeah. I love that. And I actually have friends, uh, I want to say running around New York city right now. So I, when you said move to Brooklyn, I was, it, it seems like New York has all of its eyes on it, like opening back up and lots of things are happening. So that's really exciting uh, for you and the team. So on East Coast, you've been in finance for quite a while, right? What, what What's kind of like that financial background, if you will, to kind of paint the picture for our listeners, our audience? And then uh, why why jump into payability? Because you've been here, you know, for, for a decent while. Of course, yes. Yeah. So I'll start at the, at the very beginning. So back in um, 2015, I started at a company called On Deck, uh, which is one of the largest direct lenders to, to brick and mortar and, and pretty much all, all small businesses. So um, started my career out in sales, uh, direct sales for, for, uh, for this lender and um, pretty much paved the way for, for my career to, to this day was um, building that interest for, for fintech. Um, for for financing for for lending um, overall, I, I pretty much started out there um, outbound hustling, um, you know, calling calling cold leads and, and sort of working my way up to to more of a an inbound structured seasoned role um, where I was getting a little bit more of a, a dense dense pipeline and. Um, from there, uh, I moved over to uh, to another company called uh, Fundera, which is a marketplace for uh, for all business lending options. Um, that was a huge change up. You know, it was uh, moving over from a direct lender to a marketplace, um, essentially going from selling one option to potentially fifty or sixty is uh, is uh, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot, and there's a lot of finance and options out there. And that's that's really what I learned at Fundera is everywhere up from from government SBA financing down to, to fintech, line of credit, factoring, um, pretty much got the, the full rundown of, of every single option on the market for, for any specific borrower out there. So um, Fundera pretty much, you know, gave me that um, that base of, of what this financing landscape looks like. Um, and on deck sort of gave me the, the first stepping stone of, of what lending and what, what financing is. And then um, from there, I moved into, into business development and to, to where I'm at today in partnerships um, over at a, another company uh, called Bluevine, which is um, another very, very large direct lender. And essentially they're managing uh, channel partners and partnerships, um, getting the, the lay of the land for, um, you know, how, how to build revenue from partnerships, pretty much, you know, uh, indirect sales is, is how I call it and being able to, to drive deal flow from our partners. And um, from there, I uh, was able to, to take on this role and move into e-commerce at, at payability. Um, this was during the pandemic and um, there was a lot of excitement around e-commerce, payability, what, what everything was was going on with, with the model and, and our company. So um, it was a very, very exciting opportunity. And, um, you know, I'm still learning about e-commerce every single day, but um, it's been a journey, and here I am um, heading up the uh, business development and strategic partnerships team. 
That's amazing. Our, our paths are very similar in context that my background comes in e-commerce uh, focus and SaaS. And then I moved into fintech. Yours is a little bit opposite fintech moving into e-commerce. So that being said, I think a lot of people who are listening to this is what's the most surprising thing as a numbers person and then coming into the e-commerce world or online world. Uh, what, what are like the most surprising aspects that you you've noticed and what are, what are the easy similarities that you think are you know, fintech speaking to, because we're both fintech companies by definition, mm -hmm. uh, Pink Power yes. Payments, uh, sponsors the podcast, but then also uh, Payability, very similar context, do different things. What are the similarities, but then also the surprises that you've encountered along the way? Yeah, great question. Um, in regards to, to similarities, I think the number one thing is, you know, cash, cash is king and, and all businesses will always need capital to grow. And that, that is always going to be the largest similarity for, for every sort of um, industry. Um, the other similarity is, you know, um, there's, there's not much of a difference between a brick and mortar and uh, an e-commerce sale when it comes to when it comes to growth. Um, I think a, a lot of the funding solutions can fit in um, as long as the opportunity is there. And that's that's really what I've learned along the way. Um, I think the main difference here is that e-commerce is so new compared to, to traditional lending and brick and mortar lending is that um, it's, it can be can be viewed as risky for for some of the fintech lenders for some of the traditional lenders um, and uh, it's it's really just such a new space that it, it is hard to underwrite and hard to predict the future of e-commerce so um, when you think about brick and mortar been around forever um, you know commercial space compared to strictly selling online um, it is um, that is those are just the main differences is new industry compared to how the world was was before. Absolutely. And then and with that regards, I think it's really fascinating because we see this ebb flow of of people and trying to get online. Uh, you actually recently just actually came back from a conference, which I think yes. a lot of people it, it's kind of this like measuring stick of of where the industry stands now today. Right. Uh, a lot of people, if, if they don't know, the Prosper show happened a week or so ago now, um, maybe a little bit longer than a week. It feels like a decade ago for a lot of people from what I hear, they're still recovering from it. <laughs> but I think, I think that's one of those things is like after 18 months or so people are on understanding that, uh, there, there's so many trends that happened during uh, lockdown or COVID or just during quarantine in general. And then all of a sudden you see those trends start to emerge back when you can converse with people and you get everyone into a room to talk at once. So that of being course. said, you were there on person, you were there in person on the ground, boots on the ground, having conversations. What are the most like noticeable things if you can like highlight for us who weren't there or were there, what are the most like interesting trends as like a numbers guy or just in general yeah. for this industry? Yeah, great question. Um, overall, just, just got to say Prosper, this is my first Prosper experience was um, absolutely amazing. Um, the people, uh, the booths, the vendors, um, everything was was spectacular. And just to have that that energy of maybe it was about two to 3,000 people in a room um, was was absolutely amazing and, and awesome to see from a business development standpoint. But um, the major trends, number one, um, the aggregator space is booming. And um, we are seeing players pop up left and right. And we are just seeing people come over to our booth that, that we, have, we have never heard of and companies that are, are popping up that are brand new. Um, so, I mean, the aggregator in its space in itself is, is really only one to two years old. So when you think about this, it is, is really exponential growth at this point. Um, I'd say the, the other major trend was, was sort of this, this shift to Walmart and um, 
the the need to to talk about Walmart sellers and the growth on, on Walmart was uh, was very interesting and, and for us as a company um, how, how to how do Amazon sellers expand into that market and, and more so how were uh, there were Walmart sellers there looking to get knowledge on on Amazon so that that was interesting as well and then obviously the uh, the PPC um, PPC industry and and the the exponential growth that we've seen there with some of these large companies and how um, they were probably extremely underrepresented in the past four years. Now have such a large presence at at Prosper. So those those are some of the main trends that that we saw. Awesome. Well, I, in diving into each of those, um, there, there's a lot of nuances that come from that. We've had people on the show in the past, um, many different aggregators in the space, both new and uh, very popular. Uh, with, with money, like being the core topic of this uh, in the financing world. Are you surprised that this kind of like happened all of a sudden where we're quote unquote VC money or venture capital money and potentially eventually private equity money, both two different things, but now has entered the space. Is that a good thing, bad thing, or it's kind of a, you know, wait and see what happens still from your lens. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it can definitely be a very good thing for, for some of these larger players who are established right now. I think, as you know, the, the barrier to entry is, is pretty easy to, to come in and just say, we're gonna acquire and run these, these, these FBA businesses um, is, you know, that's, that's what scares me a little bit is, is how many of these players gonna come in and how many will, will succeed. Um, and I assume at some point there, there will be, I know you've discussed on the show, some sort of roll up in, into these larger, these larger aggregators. So um, that is, you know, probably the, the most interesting thing there is, you know, how will some of these smaller guys succeed in this, this you know, very expandency and, and how quickly it's happening. Absolutely. So your your job is actually to empower these, um, stepping away from these aggregators for a second, maybe to empower obviously the small and medium sized businesses to grow and what that looks like for a lot of what your customers see, our customers see is the ability to have capital and access to it and also to invest that into a profitable way um, to make sure that they can grow appropriately, but also obviously uh, without taking an arm and a leg and giving it and selling it off clearly. Uh, with that being said, the model around payability is is almost like a, a loan essentially uh, from what I've understand a very just high level um, for people who don't know like what financing or lending or in this space kind of looks like, how does that work and maybe how does it differentiate from any other company out there? Yeah. Um, in regards to payability, so we are not a lender per se. Um, essentially, we offer two products here. So more on the, the factor and an advanced side is, is how we look at it. Um, so payability's flagship product is called Instant Access, which is essentially accelerated payouts for, for delayed marketplace sellers. So um, anyone selling on an Amazon, a Walmart, Newegg, um, you're waiting on the, those net 14s, potentially out to net 20, net 30s. Um, what we're doing is turning those net 14s into net ones. Um, so essentially anyone who's who's on our instant access product um, is able to, to accelerate their growth with uh, consistent cash flow. Um, to have that cash on hand, to invest back into marketing, to inventory, um, it's really an essential tool um, for some of those smaller sellers as they, they want to grow. If this is you know uh, um, something that's, you know, you want to take into the future, not so much a hobby. Um, to have consistent cash flow is, is going to be necessary to to grow your business um, and not sort of just have it like a, a side hustle. So, um, payability offers you know sellers ranging from two thousand dollars a month in sales um, to we have sellers doing ten million dollars a month in sales. The cash flow they need to continue to grow 
um, or just to continue to have that cash on hand. Um, on the flip side, uh, we offer a capital advance product. So um, we had a bunch of sellers who, who were on our instant access product that said, hey, this is awesome, consistent cash flow is great, but can you make me a loan for a more targeted investment? Uh, so that's when we rolled out instant advance, uh, which is essentially just a capital advance. Uh, what we're doing is uh, we're, we're taking a look at you know historical data the last nine to 12 months of, of sales and what's going into to someone's um, Amazon store, their Shopify store, and be able to predict what they're going to do next month in sales. And that's generally what we are going to give off in the form of advance, uh, which is generally set on a, about a 20-week schedule. Um, so really, relatively shorter term compared to some of the options out there, but really meant for those quick inventory flips, uh, those marketing expenses where um, let's just say you have a 5X ROAS or an ACOS, uh, you're going to see that return quickly. And that's that's really what we hope with, with our Capital Advance product is that our sellers are using this um, in the best way. And then the other end is speed and accessibility. Uh, payability has the, the ability to produce approvals in under 24 hours. And that is, uh, without a doubt, in the financing industry, um, a very key aspect to, to um, how a business owner thinks. Gotcha. Well, with that being said, so I'm I'm gonna walk through a little bit about that. If if people may be like struggling or grappling, like, hey, how do I how do I even know I'm I need this kind of thing? Um, I, I think the question always comes up with sellers, at least when they ask me, is when how how do I know I'm ready for growth in general? Like, uh, how can I? What what kind of numbers should I be looking at in terms of hey, I'm gonna be successful, or if I can look at velocity? And then I plug in a new number, which typically comes with like more inventory. You can actually sell more um, if if you could take the rate of what you're selling and you plug it into your formula. I, I'm assuming the payability works on some sort of hey, how quickly they're they're going through a turning over inventory. Um, that way, you can somewhat predict how long before you can get money or you need money back into a supplier and whatnot. Uh, how how do you know when? they're ready. Is there a time frame or is there a number of metric that you're looking for? Um, yeah, I think that's that's a great question. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of our, I mean, our customers are coming to us with the, the request for financing. So they're they at that point where they think that they need growth. Um, and I think that the major factor for us is looking at the last 90 days and being able to see, are these trends moving in the right direction in terms of sales? Um, so if we're, we're looking at those last 90 days, um, we want to see sort of that um, that graph that's that's moving up into that that sort of uh, right quadrant, the, the upper right quadrant is um, a consistent growth. So uh, generally, the, the most important thing is that we are seeing month over month or growth on sales. Um, and that's that's always going to be key. OK, so with that being said, is it uh, what happens if I'm a seasonal product and obviously have seasonality with everything uh, month over month is obviously going to dictate there's going to be up months, down months. Uh, how does that come into effect? Uh, with the model like what you're describing? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, in terms of seasonality, obviously that's something that we account for in our underwriting model is that there are seasonal businesses. Um, and it's something that I, that I always suggest is, you know, um, you know, don't don't go looking for the financing exactly when you need it. Go a little bit before and make sure that that you're sort of setting yourself up for success. Um, so more, more so being able to present your file um, as as a, a reasonable business to to give off a potential offer. So um, yes, we understand seasonality of products, and that does factor into our underwriting model. Um, but that does not preclude anyone from from getting approved. That's for sure. Gotcha. Well, that's good. Uh, obviously, I think a, a seller would go and say, I realize that my uh, products are seasonality and a lot of people like to 
to plan for that and forecasting and speaking of forecasting. And I think like last year was, and even still nowadays, there's wrenches thrown in uh, trying to forecast in terms of uh, goods that are needed, supplies, uh, how often to forecast for inventory. And that's the biggest hurdle right now. I think a lot of sellers are understanding is not just the fees that they continue to creep up. Um, you've seen over the past 18 months, containers become four times more expensive than they were in uh, 2020, even 2019. Um, and prices continue to increase and ebb and flow. How does that, how does that also factor in with uh, as, as sales continue to rise um, with them and costs continue to rise as well? You're not seeing maybe that, that margin, if you will, or there's no like gap that you're closing. Um, how do you, how are we assisting in that growth model? If you can't forecast like inventory, uh, you know, longevity or even just getting here to be able to sell through it. Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think it's I mean, in terms of, you know, what we've seen over over 2020 is is obviously we, we understand that that the costs are rising and that margins are are shrinking. Um, I mean, the, the one thing with with our instant access product is, you know, we, we have sellers that are, are coming in September and potentially leaving in January or February um, when, when they don't need the access or need uh, need those accelerated payouts anymore. So um, it's one of those products on the factoring side is that, you know, it's sort of a, a pay uh, you come and go as, as you need it um, and don't need to continue to take on that that debt or that um, that extra fee to be able to to fund your business um, on the advanced side um, obviously I mean it's it's something that is is playing into um, the underwriting the rates and terms that that our um, our, our customers are receiving is um, you know the margins obviously is, is going to be key in terms of underwriting um, but I could say that in terms of, of modeling there has been some sort of shift over the past year. Okay, so when um, when I'm working with availability, what are the the components that I should have like ready at hand? Like, is there any red flags that that people need to look out for or avoid in terms of like not to hide from you? Because obviously, financial uh, you know books are book are books are easy, Dad, to get there. Uh, I even had a talk recently. What we do is basically ninth grade math or even lower. It's it's ratios and it's putting margins back to your bottom line in terms of conversions and saving money. That being said, you guys have to look at all these forecasting models for future, not like actual numbers. So what, what kind of like, uh, what numbers do they need to be, have importance and have ready at your disposal um, if they're, if they're going to be looking into financing like that? Yeah, of course. And um, obviously, we, we have uh, we have an API connection with with Amazon and we're, we're gaining access into into someone's uh, Shopify store per se. Um, so I mean, some of the, the major trends are obviously going to be um, the number of products, the categories that, that you're in, um, the sales velocity, um, the conversions that we're seeing there. Um, yeah, just to dig a little bit deeper. Um, yeah, like I say, number of products, order returns and refunds, uh, marketplace payments. Um, yeah, these are just some of the off the top of the head. But I'd say always first is probably existing debt. You know, if you have any sort of existing debt out there. Um, it's always going to sort of hinder your process to, to get more capital. Um, it's you're, you're essentially, you know, over leveraging yourself if you have too much debt. Um, and as a provider, as a facilitator of, of capital, I think that's that's always going to be first to us is to see, hey, have you taken on any capital in the last 30, 60, 90 days? And how is that going to affect potentially a, a weekly or a monthly payment that's you know going to be coming out of your potentially business bank account? Great. So how, how are people paying you back? Like if, if you're front is it like just instant access to their funds or is there a schedule like how how does it work i'm always asking i'm always telling myself if you you're talking about 
not a loan, but like obviously finance in this, you would need to have profits in their, um, in their corner. I, I, I want to think like, I'm thinking through like as a seller, there's so many different variables that happen, right? As I might have to, I might have to have a prime day or I might have to compete with competitors. My price is going to fluctuate. My price might go down for a little bit. How are we, how are they at the end of every two weeks when Amazon pays out a, a customer? Is that when they have to instantly pay back or how, how do those terms work? Because, you know, yeah. th this is something that I'm, I'm personally curious about and how, if I'm going to invest in a company or have a company invest in me, I want it to be friendly on my terms and not just like be, like I said, I think the term is like house poor, like it's yeah. all fancy. It looks good on the outside, but on the inside, like nothing is still working. We're back to square one. So how does that work? Of course. Yeah. And that is, uh, that is always, always the best question in terms of payability as it is a little bit confusing on, on the Amazon side. So, um, generally, you know, we wanted to work for the customer. So, um, generally we will be in a flow of funds with, with Amazon per se. Um, so where, where Amazon is paying us directly, um, at the end of that 14 days. And so what we're doing is um, on the ship level, we are fronting between 70 to 90% of sales upfront. Um, so what you're getting essentially is in a payability dashboard um, is access to that 70 to 90% of sales, which you can go ahead and transfer over to your bank account um, or put that on a payability seller card, which offers up to 2% cash back. Um, so we have you know sellers that are, are utilizing that, that cash back card, um, essentially just a, a glorified debit card. Um, to gain cash back and then sort of offset their fees uh, completely and essentially have access to their, their capital for, for almost no cost. Um, and yeah, that's that's really the, the benefit there. So Amazon is paying us directly. We're releasing that that additional 10 to 30% when Amazon pays us. Um, yes. So we're, we like, like to be in that flow. And then on the advanced side, um, generally that's a credit and debit into the business checking account. Hmm. Okay, so what, what about if this is like a one-time like, I'm just scrambling for like inventory, something happened to it, or there's like a delay or like act of God for heaven forbid, like my inventory gets stuck on water or like it gets overthrown and it just delays on terms of access to capital. Is that something they tap into more with you guys? Or how does that work if, you know, if something with goods they need to repay for, or if I'm trying to think in that flow of something like catastrophic happening, just to put minds at ease of saying like, listen, you're not going to owe any more year or whatever that looks like in that in that end. Yes, I mean in in one-off situations like that. Um, so you're saying if somewhere on like our factoring product and, and something like this were were to happen, um, of course we we understand and, and that these situations arise. So we we are working with with every seller on an individual basis. Um, but I mean, generally, you have a 30-day notice in terms of cancellation. So if this is this is something that's not working out in terms of um, in terms of your business, you can go ahead and cancel with payability, um, and you know come back when the time is right. So if you can't you know afford that that cost or that additional cost, or if you foresee some sort of issue in terms of payment, um, obviously that that is something that that we can work with in terms of cancellation um, or being able to um, roll over essentially those those uh, those costs. Gotcha. So if I just wanted like a one-time like investment in my my ecosystem, that that's also done uh, doable and can be done, correct? Like I yeah, just so, need so, I need to tap in like for five grand or something like that, like a quick quick uh tap into and then pay off and 
go separate ways. That's a that's a functionality, correct as well? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's with our with our capital events, essentially, if you know, let's just say you're on our factoring product and you need an additional five thousand um, dollars, you can go ahead and apply for that that capital advance and get that structured five thousand dollar investment that you need. So um, we take a marketplace agnostic view, and that's that's really what's beneficial to to payability is that if you're selling on multiple channels, multiple marketplaces, uh, we're going to take that that holistic viewpoint of, hey, you're selling across Amazon, eBay, Walmart, um, and we're not going to sort of pigeonhole you to, to one specific marketplace. Whereas, you know, if you're on an Amazon lending, you're, you're strictly on your Amazon sales um, or, or any other product out there like a Shopify capital. So that's that's really what's beneficial to, to payability is that we're we're looking at the whole picture and not just one one end of the business. Gotcha. So uh, since you guys are a tool that looks at e-commerce and not just Amazon specifically, uh, your your functionality also applies to sellers who are working on Shopify as well as, <clears throat> excuse me, Walmart mar Marketplace. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. And as okay. well, we we, uh, we power Newegg's capital solution. So it's uh, it's Newegg Capital powered by payability. So for, for their third party sellers, they're able to get access to our our instant access product, um, you know, through through their platform. So that's that's something that's special to us. And um, on the partnerships team, thinking about to, to replicate those those relationships and being able to to expand our marketplace reach, and we, we want to be able to assist every single seller out there. Awesome. So, what's kind of the exciting thing internally at these different marketplaces? I'm a big proponent here at Pingpong. Obviously, we we're mm -hmm. growth partners, and we love working internationally with all sorts of sellers and tying into like Rakuten and Mercado Libre, and you, you mentioned you know like Newegg, uh, Wayfair. All, all those types of marketplaces, which by the way, welcome to the e-commerce world. If you don't know those exist, those also third-party sellers are selling on. Uh, as brands continue to grow, and it's my my personal belief that you know brands start at Amazon and then they work outward, and you know it's a little bit easier of a journey. But as they continue to grow, what, what's kind of the exciting thing for payability moving forward? Is a certain marketplace? Is a certain area of the world that you're able to tap into yet? What, what's kind of that? internal uh, discussion going on? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And from, from my end on the partnerships team and what really excites us is this idea of embedded FinTech. Um, and so taking that relationship like like a new egg um, and how can we replicate that that process with pretty much anyone within the industry? Even if you're, you're offering say a PPC analytics tool or you're offering um, you know, a, a sourcing tool, how can we embed our solution um, into either the Amazon ecosystem um, or into to other marketplaces to provide that that seamless UX for for users, and that's that's really how we want to see it. Is that embedded fintech, embedded solutions are, are here to stay, and and how can we take the the payability solution and embed that pretty much where everywhere where it's applicable to um, you know harness harness our customers. Gotcha. So with money, with that being said, uh, and, and growth kind of forecasting in that regards, how are like, I guess, what's the scariest thing that you're hearing customers say, like in terms of the world of like uncertainty or like I, I, money is so sacred in terms of this world. And you and I both know that it's the most sacred thing to like invest into, but also to like keep it safe and secure. How are all these things playing about um, on your end in terms of like safety and security and allowing people to just understand, hey, it's we have your back, like there's nothing that's going to happen with like your information or just funds or in general. Um, and we're not trying to like take advantage of sellers in a predictable circumstance. Like what are those conversations like on that end? In that yeah. 
Of course, yeah, and that's that's obviously number one that that comes up from from a traditional sales call is that um, ourselves, you know, we're using the same encryption as as a bank. So all, in terms of of information and security, um, you know, your your information is completely safe, and to say that there's there's any sort of breach there, um, you know, is is just not really applicable to to us. Um, us. Uh, we don't we don't do personal credit checks, so you know we're we're not doing dig deeps uh, digging deep into into credit and and business credit and things like that. So um, yeah, it's it's really just the the encryption level uh, alleviating those issues and letting them know that you know we we don't foresee any issues of of security. It's, it hasn't happened in the past, and that you know if you can trust your Chase Bank, you can trust payability in terms of security. Um, I mean, I, I think the other bigger picture is is cost. And obviously, we're we're getting into a conversation with with every single client. Is um, ex- how can you explain costs in the most transparent way? Um, how can you make this make sense for my business? Um, and then how does this stack up in terms of obviously the APR question comes up um, amongst the finance and industry, and um, those are some of the main pain points and, and concerns that probably most of our sales teams see on a day to day basis. For you, is there a, a nightmare that you constantly have waking up um, in this space yet? Have you have you developed any sort of like worst case scenarios like uh, that are constantly going on in your head? Um, worst case scenarios. I mean, <laughs> obviously, I'm sure the one that that comes up with everyone is you know maybe one day Amazon wakes up and decides to to flip a switch and everything changes in terms of. Um, you know, on our end, you know, obviously accelerated payouts. Now, what if everyone's getting paid out every day? Obviously, this is something that that Amazon can't can't really do per se, due to obviously a, a ton of um, a ton of things. So uh, that's that's always number one in terms of paranoia and, and waking up in the middle of the night. And um, but I guess the the other end is competition. You know, just like they're just like we're we're talking about um, in terms of these these aggregators. Um, there there's a, a wide um, a wide array of competitors in the in the uh, e-commerce funding space, and we we do see them pop up on a day-to-day basis. And um, I guess we're trying to figure out, you know, what is the secret sauce? What is anyone doing that's that's different? Um, and at the end of the day, I mean, payability has been around since since 2015, 2016. So, um, you know, we we really have this this data and, and this leverage of data, and that's that's really something that. Um, you know, keeps me sleeping at night is that that we have been around so long, and that that we can sort of predict these things and have sort of historical data on, on the past. So, gotcha. So, looking at since you come from a, a majority of the fintech world, Jacob, um, for a listener out there, there's so many different options, and I know I constantly talk to with our partners or even just sellers. Are like, oh, I'm I'm uh, paying my supplier with PayPal or something like that in USD, and they're in China. Um, a lot of sellers who we work with internationally are trying to find like the most convenient ways possible. A lot of that has to do with U.S. dollar. Um, mm-hmm. Is there is there like a, a currency or an economy that payability is like very very much friendly towards uh, in terms of like helping with financing and like lending? If I'm a seller in country X Y Z, is it is it actually more uh, friendly than if I were in a different country with a different weight of uh, currency? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So, so payability strictly supports dot-com marketplaces. Um, okay. But yeah, we have the ability. So anyone who's selling, say, in, in the UK or or in China, if they're selling on a dot-com marketplace, essentially, we, we can go ahead and set them up um, with a ping pong account um, on the back end to go ahead and convert that currency. So, Look at that. Um, oh, man, that, I didn't even I didn't even tee you up for that. That was beautiful. This was not <laughs> planned, everyone. This I'm was, planned. Uh, 
I have no out. questions. I have, I'm just going off of the top of my head uh, for a listener out there. They know they, they should know this by now. If a listener out there knows that I don't have any planned set of questions, it just naturally flows in. And you're right. We, we do like help with the functionality on the back end with that. So that that's kind of the partnership aspect of this uh, is working with other companies too. So since you're kind of getting a gauge of the e-commerce space, I come from a world of competitive SaaS technology, right? Like everyone's yes. trying to say, like, use my uh, use my tool. Don't use that tool, um, which I think they're all fascinating. But believe it or not, they're all talking about to the same uh, data points. They just look different or they feel different. And they're just a little bit different functionalities, maybe like a couple of tweaks here and there. Finance world's a little bit different. It's all it's all rates and like what projections can be and like how you really it's almost like um, is this the fair word or fair word to look at and say it'd be uh, risk tolerance? Uh, if mm-hmm. maybe that that comes up a lot in the financial world's uh, uh, jargon, if you will, is, is there like uh, with your competitor? How do you compare apples to oranges? Like if three companies line by line look at the same customer, what's different versus one versus the other versus you guys, and then you get different numbers all over the board? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Um, I think it's it's important to differentiate here. I mean, in terms of the the advanced side, um, obviously, when, when you're giving capital um, in the form of an advance, there's only there's only so many sort of data points that that you can check and sort of differentiate yourself from from you know giving a capital advance. So it's it's a pretty standardized product. I'd say when you go to some of these these larger providers, it, it becomes the dollar size, the term length that you can give out. Um, you know, if you're given an equity portion to to this deal. Uh, what that looks like and what those those rates and terms look like. So yeah, it's it's really always going to fall back to the rate, the term. What can this provider offer me? Um, I think on the other end here is that you know a lot of these these providers, these lenders, you know, it's it is a big marketing engine. It can get scary for an e-commerce seller, for any business owner, is that you go to Google and you're typing in business loans or or business funded, um, and you know usually those those top three or four options might not be the best option for you. So I, I just um, I implore everyone to, to, you know, dig deep in terms of, of financing and, and really look for, you know, the specific option and always apply with, with multiple providers to see what your best option is. What's the most excited you got when working with the client and saw that they were able to grow XYZ? Like, uh, is, there a, is there a feel-good story that you're able to, to help usher along and maybe like paint a picture for a seller or a listener out there who's, who's like, I want a like real-world application did, we're just stuck in a rut. And then all of a sudden, you know, just like a little nudge in the right direction or a little bit of assistance, almost like walking them across the road. If they're, uh, you know, trying to find their way and you were able to walk them across safely from oncoming traffic, what, what was kind of, do you have a story like that? Yeah, I do. And um, I mean, it's, it's a story that, that is pretty much payability general, general. Um, uh, we had a client, uh, Josh at, at GoBuddha and essentially um, he was the chef at the, at the Cleveland Indians uh, before before the pandemic. No longer the Cleveland Indians now. Fun fact, Correct. right? They just yes, named their, yes. just changed their team name. Anyways, to the, uh, the Guardians. Note. Yes, the yeah. Guardians. So okay, new, for those listening, yeah, it's a baseball thing. If you're a big fan like myself, and I'm assuming Jacob, so uh, <laughs> go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, I'm a big Yankees fan, and it's uh, not there going so well for us ever. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm a Cubs fan. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, so when the pandemic hit, um, you know, Josh at GoBuddha had to pivot. 
um, and, and he pivoted to an online uh, meal prep kit and essentially was was able to set up shop. And, um, you know, it's really just the, the story of the pandemic and the story of growth with payability is, you know, people have pivoted into e-commerce, but no one is going to take a chance on a business that's been around for two, three, four months. Um, it's really unheard of in the industry. And that's that's really where payability came in is that uh, we were able to give him that opportunity and be able to, to fund him um, on an advanced product and be able to give him the capital to continue to grow. Um, that being said, Josh went on to, to continue to, to grow the GoBuddha business and went on to, to sort of do the opposite of, of what sellers do is that he opened up a brick and mortar location uh, with his success. So um, sort of the 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 reverse of, of what sellers do, um, you know, Josh is, is continuing to thrive and it really comes to, to having that growth capital to start out. Um, and, you know, like I was saying, not many people are going to take a chance. Not many providers will take a chance on someone who's that young of a business. And that's that's one of the issues with with e-commerce as well, is that if you are so young, um, traditional lending, fintech lenders, um, a lot of them will, will not take a look at you. That's fantastic. I love stories like that where, again, in e-commerce. So th this is another thing a lot of people understand that, especially tying it back to the aggregator role when we had this conversation, is that. Businesses have only been really truly around in the FBA sense of third-party selling for about six, seven years, right? So look at historical data. Not a lot there besides seven years of data. That constantly changes as products become better, people become smarter, data points becoming more ingrained into how to forecast sales and whatnot. You're talking about something that created in a you know very difficult time when a lot of people were losing jobs money wasn't being invested. People are putting holds on lots of different things. This person came in, started selling and changed their business model to an online functionality. But now it's really cool to see that that person can get that opportunity where there is that investment into someone who can continue to grow, whether it be like a chance, if you want to call it a chance or it's just smart money, just putting it on the right people who have entrepreneur lives, uh, like mentality, right? Is that, is that the, yes. like, the it factor the the maybe the secret sauce of you guys you have to like see these people and say like i get it like i have no problem like investing or i say taking a chance on these people of course yeah and i think the the real trade-off here is that obviously we we're structuring our 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 programs in sort of the short term where you know, we, we want to see that there is going to be some sort of investment and that that return is going to come quick. Um, so if you have the business model, you have the plan, the the ability to produce what you think is going to be a return in that, you know, five to six month period, um, these options make complete sense for you. And that's that's why, um, you know, for a story like this and, and Go Buddha, um, we, we're happy to invest in, in businesses that have the growth potential. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty about entrepreneurship and lifestyle. You actually mentioned that you can, you can use payability to help them invest into retail opportunity. Is that is that what I heard correctly, or did I misunderstand? Um, yeah. So so Josh just you know went on to to grow that business successfully gotcha. with that with that funding, and and then he took that and, and opened up a brick and mortar store with his growth. So gotcha. I mean, without that additional or that that initial seed capital, that initial uh, advance that that we gave off. Um, it might have been difficult and it is difficult for a lot of a lot of sellers to to go from that two thousand dollar a month in sales range or even if you're at twenty thousand dollars a month to a hundred or to to fifty or to to a million um and that's really what that that capital can do for you um as long as you understand um sort of your opportunity versus your cost and that's, that's right. really the, the biggest part 
and speed is a very big component, right? Like in naturally progression, there might be this uplift in this natural rise and everything for these sellers, but um, you're speeding up the process even more, right? More sales become more velocity, uh, higher opportunity, more capital to be gained, to reinvest back in your own inventory, uh, to, you know, just expand the brand quicker. So instead of taking that, you know, something might be 18 months, you're basically fast forwarding into maybe like eight months instead or cutting off yes. a year of that or what, what that looks like. Very cool. So just for clarification, I guess that leads me to one more clarifying point from payability side of things is investments. If I'm working with you, what can I apply that money towards? Is it just inventory? Is it PPC? What, what, what are the, what are the things and tangible products or services that I can use this money towards? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, be, being that this is this is a capital advance, I mean, it's it's pretty much open open to whatever you want. It's being dispersed into your into your checking account. No one is saying, you know, hey, we're we're going to check up on you. Um, it's it's really based on on what we expect the the growth to be. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at the trends, like we said, of historical data. So we're seeing what your sales look like, um, and we're hoping that that these funds are going into to inventory or to marketing. Obviously, those are the the two biggest use cases for for an e commerce seller, an Amazon seller. Um, is that if you have a quick 30, 60 day flip and you can get, um, you know, two to three rounds of inventory flips out of that, that six month offer or five month offer, um, essentially you're lowering your cost of capital, um, completely. Cause when you're looking at a 12, 13, uh, 12, 16, 18, 36 month option, your cost of capital is going to go way up when you talk about a factor rate. So we're giving you the lowest factor rate, um, with the ability to go ahead and make those inventory flips. You know, if you have that that five, six X ROAS or, or a cause, being able to see that return quickly and understand, hey, I'm paying X amount, but I am getting this in return in terms of opportunity. So th those are the major things that, that go into it. That's very cool. I mean, I, I'm so excited to hear hear other growth partners like that in that capability, um, you know, be able to empower other sellers. Like you said, it's it's a. It's almost as if, if all the, the tide raises all boats in this capacity. I think it's just really hard for sellers to understand like where to trust and where to get those kinds of resources because um, resources like and partners like Gatita, for example, uh, getting cash back, putting in your pocket. I know you guys work closely with them. We're, we're putting more margins to our bottom line just by even paying out local currency. And you guys are actually mm -hmm. helping people with that capability to say, if I'm here, I can actually be here with a little bit of assistance in that regard. So maybe finally, uh, before wrapping up, what's kind of the the outlook for you, Jacob, paint me a picture, uh, like good or bad going into Q3, Q4 of what you're looking for and, uh, what, what, what's kind of the, you, you have this landscape and what sellers you're looking to help grow. What is that looking like for sellers going into Q3, Q4? You're seeing good things, bad things are a little concerning. What, what's kind of the the metric, if you will? Yeah, great question. And I think um, you know, with with the boom of 2020, um, obviously there, there was such a, a large demand and uh, um, and on our end, uh, the supply, the the need for capital um, going into to 2021. Uh, we we are extremely bullish on on Q4 and what that looks like and, and the trends that we are seeing is that um, you know what we're expecting. Um, October through December and, and probably September, um, you know, to, to continue to see what payability has seen over the years um, is a large ramp up. 
Um, and specifically now that a lot of these sellers have grown their businesses substantially, that these holiday seasons will equate to, to larger customers for us, um, larger clients that are continuously using our factory and our, our instant access products. So, um, you know, our our expectation here is that we are going to see an everlasting growth into into 2022 and, and you know, into into 2023 would, would be the plan here. That's amazing. So uh, before we like cap off today, you got bigger, better things to do in terms of like moving to Brooklyn, which is really exciting. I'm really excited for you in that regards. But like sticking with kind of the financing, you, you're coming from financial side with technology being so ever changing in this landscape. What do you what are your like maybe predictions or where do you see people utilizing funds and money moving forward in like this is personal, right? You're not speaking on behalf of payability in this. Uh, do you have a forecast in terms of what finances or fintech look like as a landscape across the board in the next five years or so? Yeah, and that's that's an awesome question, and and, and it leads back to to the embedded fintech. Um, you're you're going to see providers continue to do this is embed their their financing solution, um, and and that's where the future lies, and it and it lies in the, the ability to create such a seamless UX um, that you can get to a point of one click funded, um, where essentially we can. Um, API information off and, and digest that information, produce an, an offer pretty much in real time. And, th and that would be the hopes here is that, you know, how, how quickly can, um, and that's, I think that's the fight with a lot of companies is how, how quickly can they produce that offer and how um, easily can they, they uh, give that UX and make that smooth for, for sort of that transition from one platform um, to the next and saying, hey, if I'm taking out a, a payability capital offer, um, do I have to divert from the, the platform that I'm on? And can I see that offer in real time and, and what I'm getting? So um, I think the, the future of, of fintech and, and finance and the, um, and the lending, the financing space um, is going to rely on these embedded solutions. And, um, and when payability will, will continue to prove that, that we, we provide a, a pretty sound, um, a sound tool for, for e-commerce and sellers. And, and we hope to continue that, that fight for embedded solutions amongst the, the ecosystem. Love it. I, I love everything you said right there. Is it going to be as crazy as are we going to be paying uh, our groceries by just walking out like Amazon Go uh, things and it's going to be tied to our either thumbprint or something embedded in us? Is that going to happen in the future? Correct. Yes, I think that is um, this is this is all part of, of embedded um, the embedded future. And um, I mean, uh, just one example is, you know, we were, we were talking to, to a bookkeeping firm and uh, they said, oh, we're, we're utilizing a, um, an embedded um, payroll solution. And now they're, they're just able to offer payroll through their bookkeeping solution. So you will continue to see amongst every single industry the ability to embed someone's solution into another platform and say, hey, I'm a one-stop shop and it's powered by XYZ yep. of, of different companies. So you're talking um, about Europeans and like more ingrained uh, solutions, like a very one systemized processes and ERP. Yeah. And it's how a startup can go from providing one solution to, you know, X amount of solutions in a, in a matter of time, just, just by technology and, and uh, transmitting data. So um, that is, that is where we see the future. And um, for us on the FinTech side, uh, there, there's a lot of opportunity for partnerships and um, being able to, to take the payability solution and, and provide that um, amongst all of our ecosystem partners and uh, a lot of our strategic partners as well. I love it. I agree again with everything you say. Same thing with ping pong. I think it's really exciting to see like where financing or like just money in general, like 
uh, fintech really just ranges in all these sort of capabilities and where it's going to get slotted into. It's really cool the engine that you can build um, and how they can apply to so many different like different cars or different like uh, machines and whatnot. Like theoretically, machines are hypothetical machines. <laughs> Here, uh, obviously, uh, an engine I know we've built is really cool and functionality of just hole in the market and you fit it in there. And that's what payability is doing, which is really neat as well. Is there a, uh, maybe who like inspires you? Is there a company or a person that talks FinTech or financing or say, uh, put it in that FinTech category? Is there someone that my listener or our listener should be listening to, or like really paying attention to in terms of investments or like just looking at business wise, how they're operating and kind of watching them grow? Yeah, I mean that's that's a great question, and um, uh, that's that's tough. I mean, in terms of, um, I guess, put you on the spot there. Yeah, a mentor or like companies. Um, I mean, not not to you know promote promote other companies, but the 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 large POS providers and um, Payfact providers like a Square or Stripe. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they they have the resources and tools to provide a lot of solutions um, and be able to to do it at, at lightning speed capacity. And I think. Um, they hold a lot of the power in terms of, of capital and being able to invest in a lot of these solutions. So when you think about um, the future, you know, it's always, you know, we're, we're reading articles on, hey, you know, these these players are doing it first. Um, and it's because, you know, resources and um, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I think they, they've got the great ideas and they've got the resources. Um, and that's something payability is always going to continue to replicate is, you know, how can we compete um, with some of these larger players? And um, I think our solution really fits in with, with a lot of the same um, sort of nuances that, that, uh, that a Stripe or, or uh, a Square has. Um, and there's a lot of ability for, for startups to expand uh, their products and what they offer um, and be able to compete with these, these large guys. But um, I think these, these large players, um, have, for me, have always had my eye to say, hey, these people are moving first. They, they have that first mover advantage. How can we go out and sort of replicate a, a solution that, that they're trying to do? Right. Well, you guys are in business to business. It's very much a, a different apples to oranges when you're talking about those companies. They they really thrive in the direct-to-consumer market or can, uh, B2C market, if you will. Um, that That's what keeps our two businesses very different from them. I know they dabble in a lot, but that's, uh, to be fair, that that's uh, those are two really exciting companies I would also watch. And um, maybe is it applied or I, I think it's applied uh, as well. There's, there's a lot of other fintech really cool, not just flashy, but very, yes. very, uh, cool companies that are tying all these solutions together, which is, you know, mm -hmm. both good. And, um, hopefully they will continue to innovate and grow and help people, uh, move forward with data sets, uh, opportunities and, um, yes. you know, just connectability as well. So that being said, Jacob, I know I took way too much time on your Friday. Uh, where do we need to find out how to connect with you? If I'm a partner in the e-commerce solution or if I'm at the next, uh, event that you're going to be at, which is what's going to be event that you're going to be at. White label expo and, uh, White label expo Vegas. in Vegas, yes. right? Okay. Yes. yes. So we, we will be there. We'll be exhibited. I will be speaking. Um, okay. I, I will um, I will find out exact dates and times and, and can post it here and let you know when I'll be talking um, at White Label Expo. But that is that is it. The entire payability team will will be there. Excellent, Vegas uh, Vegas round two. But uh, you're looking and you're interested more about payability. Where do I need to go? I put the link yes. there below. But just connect with you. Is it LinkedIn? Is it yes. a, a, any other places? Connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Jacob Schwartz on LinkedIn. Jacob S at payability.com. Um, or you can reach out to, to partners at payability.com, go to the payability website, 
um, get in contact with our sales team if you're an interested seller um, as well. You can find our, our partner email through the Payability website as well. So um, those are those are the main plugs for for Payability and for myself. Um, and I hope this is, has been useful for for the community. Well, my man, I appreciate you, friend of the show now, obviously, uh, with uh, Crossover Commerce. And we appreciate your time, obviously, on a Friday. Look, keep it more casual. We're talking about finances and actually uh, using it to apply towards your business and growth uh, future. So I, I'm super excited that you were able to hop on today. Um, and congrats on the, obviously, new roles since we've connected uh, joining. And uh, I'm excited about the future of events and obviously meeting with you guys and your team and helping you guys grow uh, as well. So Congrats on the opportunities and uh, good luck on the move this weekend. Yes. Or uh, that's next weekend. Sort of, <laughs> next sort of weekend. Start, yeah, yes. start packing now. That's all I can say right now. <laughs> I've already started. I've got a huge mattress that's right outside my room. I had to take it out for this call. So, um, yeah, the the, uh, the ping pong team has been awesome. It's been a, a great partnership between us and yourself and, and Matt and the team. And, uh, you know, we, we look forward to, to continuing this relationship. And um, it's been a pleasure, Ryan. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jacob. Uh, have a good weekend. and uh, We'll have you guys on again soon. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Take care. Have a great weekend. Awesome. Bye. You too. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jacob, again, from Payability and his team uh, over there for hopping on Crossover Commerce today. Uh, I know this is a Friday, but I want to thank everyone who was able to sit and listen and just uh, kind of envelop themselves in finance and, and really funding in that capacity. I'm really excited to talk through this with customers. That's one of my passion points is to find ways for our community to grow, whether it be an Amazon seller or just an e-commerce seller in general. It's super important to know all of the facilities and partners out there. They're going to help you take your business to the next level. That's what this is all about. You want to grow your business in different ways. You need some assistance. It's it's not a bad thing to ask for help, but there are solutions out there to help fix those holes in the market um, instead of doing it by yourself and you know navigating the waters. And that's what this channel is all about. That's what Ping Pong is about, is helping people assist moving forward and growing uh, with the partnership network that we have, but then also helping sellers and empowering them truly to grow um, to the heights that they need to and want to grow. That being said, I'm Ryan Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce. This is episode 134 of Crossover Commerce. Believe it or not, everyone, uh, if you're watching this, I'm actually going to be off next week. So this will be the first time in all of Ping Pong or my uh, podcast history that I'm going to take an entire week just to go ahead and spend it with my family, uh, just to kind of take a vacation away from everything. So don't miss me too much. But we will be back for more crossover commerce again in August. It's already uh, uh, the eight, eighth month of the year, so it's 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 coming quickly. Q3 is here. We will dive into what Q3 looks like in Q4 when I get returned back from vacation. But that being said, thanks for hopping on crossover commerce. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe to all of our audio uh, platforms, no matter where you listen to podcasts. If you missed an episode, believe it or not, we put those out there on uh, Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon po uh, Music so that you can download for free and listen to past episodes at your leisure. There's so many different topics that we covered here on the show, not just including finance, international growth. We're talking logistics chain. We're talking about uh, improving your uh, product listing, PPC, you name it, we're going to be covering it, but it's all to help you grow your business and take it and grow it 1%, at least better. That's my mentality every single time we come on air. So that being said, be safe out there, everyone. Good luck in your endeavors, wherever that may be on Amazon or off Amazon. But make sure you tune in again and subscribe to those channels next time we go live on Crossover Commerce. Take care.